Psalm 89, 1-8 I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stand firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. You said I made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant. I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. The heavens praise your wonders, Lord, your faithfulness too, and the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? In the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround him. Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. This is the word of the Lord. In the room, there we go. Uh, <laughs> welcome, uh, friends online. Thank you guys so much for coming out and just joining us uh, just for this Sunday morning. Uh, if you need a Bible, uh, we have people that are going to be walking down the aisles. I would love to give you one. Uh, just throw a hand up. Uh, if you have a Bible or if you're getting one, we will be in Psalms 89, uh, starting in verse 1 today. But my name is Micah Seth, and I am the youth minister here at Two Rivers. And I've, uh, I've been here for a little over three years now and definitely been enjoying it, been loving being a part of this church. Uh, I love working with the youth. We just have a, a really solid and just a really good team. Uh, volunteers as well as parents that just uh, love on these students, as well as just being able to to guide them and be them for their uh, be there for them spiritually. But one thing that I love about students, and it can be a little frustrating at times, uh, is they love to ask questions. That is that is what they love to do. Uh, kids love to ask questions about everything, right? They're very naturally curious about a lot of uh, different things and. It's funny because a lot of the questions that they ask, you feel like they could find the answer pretty easily, but they just want to hear the answer from you. Um, but every once in a while, they'll throw out this super crazy hardball question uh, that you just can't answer. And I feel like even as adults, there are questions that we have been pondering for years and still have yet to find an answer to it. And we're in our, our last week of this series in Psalms, uh, Songs from the Heart, and we've been going through different questions for the past three weeks on our fourth week, uh, just difficult questions that we have when it comes to our faith and our relationship with God. Where the first week we went through, uh, where does happiness come from? Uh, the second week, we, we went through, where is God when we sin? And last week, we went through, where does trouble, or why does trouble always seem to find me? And if you missed any of those sermons and you're wanting to go back and listen to them, uh, you can check us out on Facebook, uh, Two Rivers Church, as well as Apple Podcasts. Um, but today, we're going to be going through a question that really never seems to give us a direct answer, or at least not the answer that we want, and uh, a question that we've all seemed to struggle with since we were younger. And that question is, how does God influence my future? Or what is the will of God for my future? And we get this question a lot in youth ministry. They kind of might change the way that they ask it, like, what is my purpose? What am I supposed to do next, right? Like, uh, why am I here? And they, they ask these questions a lot. And when we think of the future, or our future, it can either bring on really positive uh, thoughts or really negative ones. But when we were younger, we would always wonder, like, who are we going to marry? 
Where are we going to live? What job am I going to have? Am I going to be a billionaire one day? Um, am I going to go to college? Am I going to have kids? We asked a lot of questions when we were younger about what our future is going to look like. Are there going to be flying cars? Are there going to be whatever? And when you have those questions as a kid, you want answers. Like you want direct and easy, this is what it is kind of answers. So we found a way to get those answers. And as kids, you might remember, like, uh, remember this? Do you guys remember these little... I never knew what they were called. I'm assuming it's like a paper fortune thing where you'd like walk up to your friend and you're like, I know how much money you're going to make. And they're like, nah, uh And you're like, pick a color. And, uh, and you go through it and, and, you know, it's either really funny, like, oh, you're going to make $1 when you're older. And it's like, ah, dang it. Or it's like a millionaire and you love that answer. Or it could be, uh, I don't know if you guys remember this thing, a little magic eight ball. You sit there for hours and ask the same questions, sometimes more than once because you wanted that right answer, or at least the answer that you wanted. You keep shaking it, and, and it was just fun, right? Uh, I'm sure we could probably find a better resource for answers, but that's what we had. And when we were younger, we were very naturally curious about our future. We wanted to know what was going to happen. And with the eight ball, or with that little paper thing, we would get like a positive answer, something that we were hoping for, and we would celebrate. We're like, yes. Or it would be an answer that we weren't wanting, and we'd kind of laugh it off like, that's not real. I'm going to make a lot of money or whatever. Or you just keep doing it till you got the answer that you wanted. But as we got older and doors started to close or things in our life started to change, we began to realize like, oh, man, like the actions that I do now affect my future. So I got to be careful. We're no longer curious about who we're going to marry or, or where we're going to live, but we would face questions like, what is my retirement going to look like? I'm getting to that age where I'm getting ready to retire, and I don't know if I can. You know, like, I, I think I'm just going to have to continue to work. Or what do we do with our parents that are facing health problems? Like, I want them to stay with us because I know that they're struggling, but can we do that? What do we do? What do, what do we do next? What is their future going to look like? How do I, I guide my kids as a parent but also let them experience life for themselves, right? As kids get older, as they get out of the house, how do I still be a parent to them, but let them make their mistakes? When we think about our future as an adult, it can create this little thing called anxiety. And we become anxious about our future. You get out of grade school and you realize, I'm not gonna go to the college that I wanted to. What, what do I do next? Or, you know, I, I keep applying job after job, I'm having a hard time looking for a job. Like, where do I apply next? And you realize that the decisions that you make now directly affect your future. It's no longer what you're going to wear to school was the biggest decision of your life. It's now money and actions with spouses or discipline with kids that affect your future like crazy. And we're getting to a place where we become nervous about thinking about our future and what the future holds for us. And today, as we're in uh, Psalms 89... And we go through this question of how does God influence my future? I'm going to try my best to point to Scripture and what God says that looks like. And what this sermon is not, what I'm not going to do, is I'm not going to answer your life's toughest questions about your future. Like what should you do next? Or, or what is your future going to exactly look like? Because honestly, that would be insulting. Those are really tough questions. But we'll be in Psalms 89, uh, verse 1 through 8. We had some students that uh, read that for us this morning, but let's dive into it. Psalms 89, verses 1 through 4. It says, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. 
With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. In order to see where God's going to influence you in your future, we need to first start and look at how God has influenced our past. The psalmist starts by giving glory and honor to God, praising him for his faithfulness, and looks to the past to see God's faithfulness through generations. The psalmist says, he says, you said, meaning God said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have, or I have sworn to David, my servant, I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. The psalmist is glorifying God, not only for the covenant that God made with his people, but the fact that God is continuing to be faithful to his people today. I feel as though it's very easy for us to question how good God is. We begin to doubt the love that he has for us or wonder if he's ever going to show up in our future where it's like a trial that you're going through and you just don't see God and you don't see a way out of it. could be a season of life where you're just unhappy with the way things are or what's going on. We question what God is doing or going to do in our life, but what we forget is what God has already done for you and me in our life. That through Christ, he made a covenant with us, that we are loved, that we have the ability to call to him and to know him. That he was faithful to his people, and we see it in Scripture, we see it throughout Scripture, and that his faithfulness is the same that it is today. And we question God's faithfulness in our future without really looking at the track record that he's laid out for us already. And in order to see God's track record, or a very good example of God's track record and his faithfulness in real time, is this is where I would really love and would love to encourage you guys to talk to people that are a little bit further along in life. They're a little bit older. I love being part of a multi-generational church for that reason. Because there are times in our life where, where our future just seems dark. You think about your future and you're like, I just don't see how I'm going to get out of this. I don't see greener grass on the other side. But when it comes to people that are older where God has revealed more to them, they've experienced in following God in more ways than we have, we're able to seek godly counsel with those who have more to share. Right? Like your kid gets a boo-boo or is experiencing a heartbreak or maybe there's a death in the family, it's tough, but you know in the end through experience that everything's going to be okay. It's not easy, it's not fun, but everything's going to be okay. To them, it's the end of the world. I don't know how I can live on knowing that I'm not dating him or that I'm not dating her or that whatever, I can't play sports because I got injured. To them, it's the end of the world, but because of the experience that you have from your past, you're able to share that insight and share that love. And there are people same way in this church that have experienced those same situations, those same addictions, those same tough times or the dark times that you face today, and we can see and we can hear of God's faithfulness through their testimony, through their generation, the generation that's sitting in this room today. So I would God decide to stop being faithful to our generation when we see his faithfulness in theirs? I feel like sometimes we treat God kind of like this, uh, this piece of paper or like a little magic eight ball, where these questions that we have about our future and the decisions of like, what do we do next are super valid. Like he desires to know our desires, 
But when we ask a question that only God can answer, we kind of want a worldly answer. Like, we, we want this immediate, clear as day, here is who you're going to marry. This is their coordinates, go find them. Or here's how to raise your kids when this happens, when they do this, when they say this, this is your response, this is how you react. Here's how to finance a house. Don't go more than this percent interest rate, whatever. Here's when you're going to die. And we want those immediate, clear as day answers. And what we do when we want God to answer, like a magic eight ball or like that little paper fortune thing, and we want him to give us a direct answer, we tend to play like little mind games with God. I don't know if you guys have ever done this. Where, you know, you're driving and you think like, man, I, should I go to small group today? And you're like, God, if the light turns green in three seconds, that's my answer. It didn't, okay, you don't want me to go to small group, God. That, that's what you told me. Or I'm looking for a new job. The next email that pops up uh, in my inbox from LinkedIn is the job that you have for me. Or I need wisdom. So the first verse that I'm going to open up to in this Bible is what you have to tell me. So I'm just going to open it up. You open up the Bible and you open up to Judges and it says, afterward, you'll be encouraged to attack the camp. And you're like, (laughs) you try to make it work. You're like, well, maybe like God's trying to tell me sin is like the camp because I like camp in sin, and he wants me to attack it. And you like try to make it work, but it just doesn't. And I feel like we treat God like that sometimes, where we want direct and we want easy answers about our future, and we want it now. And we're reminded of these verses, uh, one being Deuteronomy 29, 29, where it says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. And when it comes to the questions that we face each and every day about our future, and again, they're very valid questions, but they might never get answered. Sometimes those questions just lead to more questions. And it says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. Why? Why is God keeping things from us? Right? There's a situation that I'm going through where this God has wisdom for me, Don't you feel like he'd want to help me out? Like, why is he withholding things from me? It doesn't seem very loving to me. That's where I want to go back, and I want to look at the second part of that verse. It says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever. This is kind of a a dumb analogy, but one that makes sense to me, so hopefully you understand it, is... uh, In youth ministry, we do food every single week, and they love it, except when we do pizza every week because it's cheap and it's easy. But we have food every week, and and we'll set it out, and a lot of times they'll line up, and we'll set out like two slices on a plate, and they'll go and grab their food, and more times than not, they'll want seconds, understandable, and so they'll get back in line and get ready for seconds. But what's funny is they still have a slice and a half of pizza, and they're going to grab two more. And we'll kind of stop them and say, just finish your food. Like, and they'll complain and say, well, you guys aren't going to have enough, so I'm just preparing for there to be no more food, so I'm just going to grab my plate right now. And we'll tell them, go finish your food, and then you can come back and get more. I don't know if you guys have ever had to tell that to your kids, but, but they will. They'll, they'll go back, and, and they'll finish their plate. And guess what? We had more food for them. And I feel like in the same way, we want God to reveal our futures to us and give us guidance on what to do but we're not even faithful to what he's telling us to do today. 
Like we struggle day in and day out from temptation, wanting control, money management, our marriage, and yet we still want God to give us more about our future when we don't listen to the wisdom that he's already revealed to us today. What's revealed is ours, is scripture, God's will for us. Why do we deserve more? Luke uh, chapter 16, verse 10, says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Now, this verse is geared more towards money management and how you handle your money. But I feel like it's applicable to our future. We want God to influence our future and to influence our direction when we can't even allow God to influence our lives today. God has already revealed to us his will through scripture. And so how can we expect God to give us more when we can't do what he's already called us to do? One example, parents. I'm not a parent, so I have no idea. This is just a guess. I would assume one of the biggest questions that you have about your future is, is my kid going to grow up to know Jesus? Are they, because eventually they're going to get out of the house and they're going to have a family. Is Christ going to be the center of their family? Is, is God going to be a priority for them? And I feel like it's a very valid question about their future, but I feel like that question can, that question can also be answered with, well, does your child prioritize God today? A key indicator of God influencing their future is how God is actively influencing them today. Is church a priority today? Or is it a rather like a, if you have time, then you can go. You know, get your schoolwork done, number one. Play sports. I want you to be active because maybe you'll get into a school if your grades don't turn out. You know, hang out with friends because I want that to be a priority. I want you to have a social life. And then if you have time, then of course church. If you don't have a tournament on the weekend, then you can go to church or go to youth group. And if that's the case, what's going to happen when they get to college? They're not going to immediately be fluent in time management where they're like, oh, no, it's God first and then school and then sports and then friends. How their future with God is going to look is an indicator of where they stand with God today. And sadly for most, they learn from their parents is that school is your number one priority. And it is important, but for a lot of times, it's school is your number one priority. Then sports second, then friends on the weekend, and then if you have time, you can go to church. And that's how they learn because they grew up with church being a chore instead of a community. They learn that church is second to the more important things in life, and that's how they're gonna live. And I do wanna make a little bit of a disclaimer to that, because there are some parents in here that did the right things. They made church a priority. They loved their children just as Christ loved them, but they made a decision that they don't want God to be a priority in their family. And so they walked away from the church. And that's not a reflection on you as a parent. They're an adult, they have the ability to make those decisions, but we, have, we also have to ask ourselves, are we setting up our kids for success in knowing Jesus now? You also might ask the question, how is my marriage going to look in 20 years, right? How is God going to influence that? Same question, where does your marriage stand today? Are you using the knowledge that God has already revealed to you about marriage and using it to love your spouse? Are you selfless? Are you loving? Are you quick to listen and slow to speak? Are you honoring one another and encouraging each other? Are you reading the word of God and praying together every day? Or have you become more selfish since you first got married? Do you use your phone as an escape to just sit on the couch and kind of just avoid them? Or are you intentional with talking to them? 
Are you faithful to God and are you faithful to each other today? It's kind of like retirement in the sense of like, I would love to retire a millionaire. I would say most people also have that same like goal. However, I'm not going to put any money towards it and I'm just going to hope it happens. That's retirement, right? I want God to influence my future. I hope God influences my future, but I'm not really going to listen to him today to make that happen. I'm not really in his word. I'm not really play, like praying like I should. I fall to sin and really have no regret or guilt from doing it. But I wonder what God's going to do in my future. And God's faithfulness has been shown time and time again to us through the fall, through the prophets, through Jesus, all throughout Scripture, we see God's faithfulness. And the real question is not, how is God going to influence my future? It's, will I let God influence my future? Will I continue to be faithful to a God that has proven his faithfulness to me? Matthew chapter 6, verse 34 says, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Focus on today. It is so easy to get trapped in thinking about our future. What decisions am I making today that's going to affect my future? But we serve a God that when we follow his word, he is faithful to us. So let's focus on how we can be faithful today. Psalms, going back to Psalms 89, uh, starting in verse 5. It says, The heavens praise your wonders, Lord, and your faithfulness too. In the assembly of of the holy ones, an assembly of the holy ones basically meaning like angels or his army, angelic beings. For who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? In the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. This is super important, at least important to me. Anytime an angel appeared in the Bible, first thing that was said, don't be afraid. I know I'm scary, but I bring good news. Or like, sometimes not, and then you should be afraid. But, uh... Most of the time, it's, hey, don't be afraid. And the angels fear God. So the angels that we fear are the same ones that fear our Lord. And so the psalmist is saying, but he is more awesome than all who surround him. Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty and your faithfulness surrounds you. The psalmist in these verses is in awe, not only of the power of God, but that there is no one that comes close to being worthy of his praise. He praises him of his faithfulness and how the psalmist, in the psalmist's present day, that he is not alone, that God is there with him. And we can see God's faithfulness in our past. We can see God's faithfulness today and we'll be able to see it in our future. So the, the real question is, how is God gonna influence my future? It starts with today. We started in the, the, be, the beginning of this month where Dave challenged us to read 150 psalms in 150 days, right? So we started Psalm 1 at the beginning of the series, and he was saying, from that Sunday on, let's, let's try to read one psalm a day. And I want you to think about the future. Think 150 days from now. Now it's like 130, same thing. Think 150 days from now. If we challenged ourselves to be consistent and read through that book 
and be disciplined to focus on God in that way every single day. Think of the change in your heart that God is able to work through in the next five months. Where today you made a choice to allow his word to impact you so your future is wrapped in the word of God. And the next thing that we need to think about when it comes to God influencing our future is today, what are some areas of your life where you haven't let God in to influence, to be a part of? Is it your finances? You want God to bless you and allow your finances to grow. You want to make God a priority and learn how to live within your means. But today, you're not letting them into your finances. It could be an addiction that you have, and you're like, I wonder how God is going to help me through my addiction in my future. But I'll try to work on that tomorrow. Just not today. I'll find help tomorrow. I'll throw it away tomorrow. But tomorrow never comes. Start letting God influence your future by influencing you today. It could be a relationship that you want to mend in the future, whether it's a, a broken family or maybe a relationship that you're just holding a grudge against, and you want God to be a part of that mending, but you're not willing to take the first step. You're not the one willing to, to step up and fix it, and you're wondering, how is God going to influence that in the future when you're not budging? How can you today make decisions centered around Christ so he's able to guide you to a future of peace and focusing on him? I want us to be reminded of our God as we continue to live for him. That his plan for us is to know him. His plan is to love him and to love other people. That we're able to understand God's plan for us, his will for us, for our future, each and every day as we grow closer to him. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today, and I just thank you for this time that we get um, just to focus on you. And God, I just pray as, as we talk about the future, it, it is stressful thinking about it. But we know that you're faithful. We know that you got us. And I just pray that we're able to take our focus off our future and how can we make decisions today where we let you impact our future. I pray for everybody in this room, whether kids or teens or adults, that we all serve the same faithful God. That through generations, however far along in life you are, it's the same God. And I just pray that we're able to acknowledge that, that we're able to see that, and we're just able to continue to grow closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. As we, uh, as we get ready to close, I'm not sure where you guys are at or if any of you guys can relate to where I was a couple years ago, but where I was a few years ago is, is, man, God is great. We talk about the future. You know, it's awesome. God's for us. He's for our future, but that doesn't apply to me. And my thought process was is that God didn't care about my future. And it started with, well, first of all, the reason why I didn't think God cared about my future is because he's God right? Like, he's a little busy to worry about my future or to, to think about what he's going to do to influence my future. I'm not the best person. I'm sure he's got other people, like the good people, the good Christians that he's going to be focusing on when it comes to our future, but he's not worried about mine. Or it could be, I don't think God really cares about my future because of my past, right? Like, I messed up too many times. He gave me chance after chance after chance, and I kept messing up. So why would he give me another one? to be faithful to him. I'm out of chances. 
God doesn't care about my future. When I was born, God had a great plan for my life. It was plan A. Now we're on like plan C, D, E, and it just keeps going. Some of you in this room may feel the way that I felt. And when I, when I felt that way, I was, of course, naturally curious, what does God say about my future? I went to scripture, and I tried to see what God's plan for my future actually was. So you start in Genesis, and it's like God created the heavens and the earth, and you're like, that's super cool. That's, that's awesome. But I don't really see how that applies to my future. You know, you read about Abraham and Isaac and Joseph. Again, really cool stories, really faithful people. But how does that apply to my future? You read about Moses and Jonah and David. You get into the Psalms and the Proverbs. And you're like, we went through Psalms today. All that was really good. Like, I like reading it. A lot of insight. I just don't see how it applies to me. You get into the prophets and God is speaking through them. And there was a lot of stuff that God said. And you read through it and you're like, I just don't really see anything about my future. And then you get to the story of Jesus. And you read about his death, the cross that he was nailed to and the price that he paid on behalf of me and you and everyone in this room in the past, the present, and the future, everyone that he died for. And in Mark 10, verse 45, Jesus said, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve, and he gave his life as a ransom for many. As a ransom for many, what does that have to do with my future? What is a ransom? What is for many? For many what? Many pasts, many mistakes that we made, many divorces, many abortions, addictions that we used to suffer from, how we can't control ourselves around alcohol, the season in our life where we're just kind of sleeping around, the ransom that he paid for our lies and for our secrets. He paid ransom for our past. He also came to buy us from our present, our selfishness and the grudge that we're still holding on to against somebody else. Some of the hangovers that we have this morning from last night, our bad money habits, the way we treat our spouse, our search history. He bought it all. And guess what? He didn't just buy back our past. He didn't pay ransom for our present, but he came to free us from our future. That every step that we take now until we die, Jesus paid for so that we could be free, so we could know him, so we could build a relationship with our creator. And as we enter into this time of, of communion, we're, we're able to not only remember that, but just to celebrate it, to rejoice in it. That it's not about our works. It's not about the decisions that we make that are going to affect our future. But it's about God's faithfulness from our past, from our present, and going into our future. That 2,000 years ago, our God paid the price for our sins on the cross. And we're reminded of that. Not only today, not only tomorrow, not only a year from now or 20 years from now. That the same God that we are currently worshiping in this room is the same God that we're going to be worshiping in our future that he's faithful, and he desires to be a part of your future. So let him be a part of your life today. Through the good times and the hard seasons of our life, we get to remember the sacrifice that he made. And if you're here this morning and you have not made a decision to follow Jesus, to make him the center of your life, it's the most impactful thing you could do for your future. It's the best decision you can make. 
making Christ the center of your life, the center of your future, and being able to know him and to know love. We believe that at that point of decision of wanting to make Jesus the center of your life, it comes with repentance from your past and baptism to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if you're interested in having that conversation and what that looks like, we have people here that are willing to talk, that are ready to talk. There are four tables uh, in the corner of the room as we go through uh, communion together. Um, and I'd love for you guys to join us as we, uh, as we enter into this time together. Thank you.